Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast with lead pastor Don Headley. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships, so we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that He gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. Today we are continuing in our series in which we entitled Political Filter. We've been having some fun uh, with this over the last couple of weeks, and obviously we've been talking about just this polarizing time that we're in between everything that's going on from COVID to now the elections and what we're dealing with, and how do we make sense of that? Now, if you've been part of Mountain View Fellowship for very long, you know that I don't speak on politics very often. And the reason for that is because uh, many times when it comes to politics, uh, it's hard to identify some things that are exactly supporting or opposing biblical principles. Because many times, politics comes down to a preference uh, or a philosophy, uh, sociology. It comes down to something other than biblical principles. But when we find places where we can speak specifically to a biblical principle, we do. And so that, that brings me to my first thing that I want to just touch on real quick before we move on today. There is something that you are voting on this year, year that actually has something to do with a biblical principle, and that's Proposition 115. Uh, obviously, those of you here in Colorado, this is on your ballot. And so here's what I'm going to do. And you won't hear me do this very often, but I'm going to encourage you to vote yes on this one. And the reason for that is because we see in Scripture where every life matters. Uh, this is going to uh, outlaw uh, late-term abortions, anything past 22 weeks. It's not a full abortion ban, but it's a start, and it's something that we can do to, to be a voice for those who don't have a voice. Uh, we see in Scripture where we are created, Imago Dei, we're created in the image of God, and every life matters. And so, again, I encourage you to vote yes on 115. Now, that's probably the most political I'll ever get with you. Uh, I want to also encourage you to do one more thing, especially today before you leave here today. Uh, last week, Pastor Mike actually talked on the idea of trust, especially as it relates to prayer. And he actually introduced our prayer initiative last week, and it's, uh, it's called Team 431. So we want you to go to the app, go to the website, and sign up to be a part of this initiative. Uh, we're going to be doing, uh, the bottom line is this, we're going to be doing one hour of prayer on the MVF property every day during the month of November. That's, that's how it works out. 30 minutes in the morning, 30 minutes in the evening. You can go, you can sign up for a day, and then you pick the morning or the evening, and it's up to you how you do that. You can come, you can walk around the prayer walk, you can come into the building, you can sit in your car in the parking lot. Whatever time, whatever works best for you, you can do that. But the idea is just an hour of, of concentrated prayer on the MVF property every day during the month of November. So we want you to take part in that. And so please uh, go to the app, go to the website, sign up, and get involved in that. As I said, we're in this uh, political filter series, and it actually comes out of James chapter 1. If you have not been here the last couple of weeks, let me show you. This is the passage that this, this whole series has come out of. Starting in verse 19, it says, Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Why? Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. So that's kind of what we've pulled uh, for this series. We've been teaching on this for the last couple of weeks. Uh, today, I just want to sh share with you up front what we're going to be discussing uh, because we're taking a little bit different slant today. So here's the big idea for today. 
Uh, and finding unity requires us to put our faith filter ahead of our political filter, but it does not require us to agree on everything. And one of the problems that we have so often is we think that we have to agree on everything. It's the disease of our time right now. And the reality is we don't. We like Within churches, we disagree on many things, but there are certain things that are the cornerstones of the faith that we all come together on, that we agree on, but those, those uh, we might major on the majors, minor on the minors is one of the ways that you hear it said all the time. And uh, so if you're not sure what we're talking about, if you haven't been here or haven't been tuning in, let me just share with you, uh, there's a big difference between our faith filter and our political filter. It's, it's the idea that we look at everything through a filter, and what I'm doing is I'm asking the question, are you using your faith filter or are you using your political filter, especially right now in this time as you look at the people around you, as you look at the events that are going on around you? Do you sift everything through your, your filter of faith or your filter of politics? Would you be more likely right now to be friends with somebody who's a fellow Christian or somebody who is a fellow Democrat or Republican? If you say your political party, then what you're doing is you're using your political filter more than your faith filter. Do you see everything right now in red or blue? You know, Fox News is red and MSNBC is blue and NASCAR is red and NFL is blue. Are you seeing everything in blue or red? If so, then what you're doing is you're using your political filter. If you're using your politics rather than your theological convictions to, to make judgment calls, then, then we're using our political filter. Now, this is important for us to answer this question. This is a question that we've answered the last couple of weeks. We're asking it again this week because this, this is what governs what news you consume, what sports you watch, what businesses you support, what church you go to, who your friends are. You have to answer this question. Are you using your political filter or your faith filter? Now, you see, we, we've gotten into this really, really unhealthy place in our society right now where we think that we have to agree on everything. And when that happens, we become filled with angst, filled with anger and frustration, ultimately turns people, and many of them that have been friends with us for a very long time, it turns them into our enemies or our adversaries. But I want you to know that that is not the way of Christ. See, the way of Christ is marked with love and unity. And today, I want to talk to you about unity. In John chapter 17, there's a whole chapter there that's written about Jesus on his knees in a garden praying before he goes to the cross. And he, this is a portion of his prayers. We're going to cover it a little bit deeper later on in the message, but I want to touch on it right now. Jesus begins praying. He says, I am praying not only for these disciples. He's talking about the 12 disciples that were there uh, in flesh with him in that moment. But he says, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. Now question, who's he talking about? He's talking about us. He's talking about disciples that would come later, people who would believe in him. He goes on in verse 21 to say, I pray that they will all be what? One, just as you and I are one, as you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent. When Jesus prayed, he prayed for not only the, the disciples that were standing there that day, but he was praying for future believers, you and me. He prayed for unity. He prayed for oneness. He prayed that you and I would be one just like he was one with the Father. Now, does that mean that we have to agree on everything? Absolutely not. But it does mean that in this moment, in this, this time, we need to put our faith filter ahead of our political filter. See, when we put our political filter ahead of our faith filter, it's just a disaster waiting to happen. 
we have the holidays coming up. I saw this meme. I thought it was pretty funny. It says, you can save a ton of money on Christmas gifts discussing politics during Thanksgiving dinner. And I think that's true. And we, we can all laugh about a meme like that. But here's the problem. Here's, here's the reality of what we're living in right now. How many families are not going to gather on Thanksgiving because they can't tolerate one another's political views? See, that's someone who is viewing their family through their political filter. How many friendships, I mean old, old friendships that have been broken because they can't tolerate to talk politics with one another. They're viewing their friendship through a political filter. How many Christians are wondering if their pastor or their fellow congregants agree with with them politically and they can't tolerate that so they have to go find another church. They're viewing their church through their political filter. How many marriages are struggling right now because husband and wife cannot see eye to eye when it comes to politics? They're viewing their marriage through a political filter. When you put your political filter above your faith filter, the result of that is division, it's dissension, it's fractured relationships and strained families and split churches. And it's a shame because we're putting our political filter ahead of our faith filter. If you've been around here for a while, you've heard me talk about my family. I was very blessed to be raised in a Christian home. I had great parents, godly parents. They're still married today. I have a brother and a sister And what's interesting is all three of us have the same upbringing. We all grew up in the same family. We we were taught the exact same things. But here's what's interesting. We all three turned out completely different. In some ways, we're the same because we belong to the same family. But in a lot of ways, we are so different. I mean, we have different personalities and passions and gifts and talents. and, And none of us hold the same values. It's interesting to me that when you look at my sister, my sister's like an artsy fartsy type person. You know, she loves art and she does weird things like she's trying to restore some ancient Japanese art or something, and she loves to travel. She, she's traveled more than I will ever travel in my entire life. And then my brother, my brother, you want to talk sports? He's the one you want to talk to because his brain is filled with stats that nobody ever cares about anymore. Like he can tell you who batted what average and what year, and, and he'll, he'll argue with you as to why Nolan Ryan's seven no-hitters will never be beat, you know, and he can explain to you why. It's just amazing. And, and then he's a businessman, so he's in corporate America today. And then you have me, and I, I like cars and outdoors, and, and I'm in ministry. I'm in full-time ministry. We are all sa- part of the same family, and we're actually good friends, but we are so different from one, one another, which leads me to this important point. Um, we don't have to be the same to be in the same family. See, we, we don't have to yield to uniformity to experience unity. We we don't have to be the same to be in the same family. My brother and my sister and I, we, we've remained remarkably close and good friends all these years despite all of our differences. And it's easier when you remind yourself that what binds you together is actually stronger than what divides you. And so you can be a part of the same family and not agree on everything. It's, it's fascinating that, that when you look at my sister, my brother and I, that faith has played an important role in our lives. It's one of the things that holds us together. We're not viewing each other through uh, a political filter. We're viewing each other through a faith filter or, or for, through a family filter, if you will. And, and we certainly understand as brothers and sisters that we don't have to agree on every little thing to be part of the family. And as a church, that's what we've got to figure out. We've got, to, we've got to learn how to promote unity. We've got, we've got to learn that we can't view each other through a political filter. We, we have to see each other not through political filters, but through faith filters and through family filters. And we might be different, but we share the same faith. And you know what that means? That means we're family. Like we're brothers and sisters in Christ. Let me say it this way. Uh, we, should ha- we should identify more with our faith family than we do with our political family. As followers of Jesus Christ, 
finding unity is the calling that God gave us. He wants unity. He wants that oneness. But it only comes when we view each other through our faith filter, not our political filter. But it doesn't, it doesn't require us to agree on every little thing. Honestly, Jesus doesn't care what political party you belong to. He wants you in heaven. He's more interested in the long game. He came. He loved us so much he gave his life for us so that each and every one of us would be saved, that, that he could restore us back to God, that he could redeem these lives that we've made such a mess out of. And here's the key. Everyone is welcome. He invited everyone. Uh, I want you to look at this vision that the Apostle John writes about in Revelation. He's describing heaven. He gets, he gets a vision of heaven. And in Revelation 7, 9, he says this. After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, standing in front of the throne and before the Lamb. This is his vision of heaven, a great multitude, so massive that they can't even be counted, from people from every nation, every language, every tribe, as many as possible. Every person was invited, no ethnic divisions, no national rivalries, no language barriers. This is the image of heaven. Earlier on in the passage, uh, John and the other disciples were asking Jesus, hey, um, can you teach us how to pray? And you know how Jesus taught them how to pray? This prayer that he teaches them, one of the lines in that prayer is, he's praying to God, and he says, may your will be done on earth as it is in what? Heaven. In heaven. In John chapter 12, Jesus actually says he's going to draw everyone to himself. And as his believers, this is part of what we're supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be drawing all kinds of people to Jesus. But what happens when we draw all kinds of people to Jesus? It gets messy, doesn't it? You start inviting every nation, every tongue, every tribe. What happens? It gets a little messy. Why? Well, here's the first point I want to make this morning. The reality is everyone is different. We're all different. A few weeks ago, we were teaching on the early church and in the early part of Acts, and we got to Acts chapter 6, and if you were here, you remember there's a story in there about the Greek-speaking believers, and they went to the Hebrew-speaking believers, and they began to complain because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food, and what we found out is that things were getting a little bit messy in this moment. See, early on, it, there was no problem when the church was only established in Jerusalem. It was all people with the same backgrounds. They all spoke the same language. But as soon as we hit Acts chapter 2 and the Holy Spirit gets involved and the church explodes and it begins to reach all these different people, it gets a little messy. Why? Because people are different. They start drawing all these different people in. Uh, as soon as the church became bilingual, as soon as the church started reaching people who were different than the people inside the church, problems begin to arise and, and favoritism started to develop within the church. The reality is that everyone is different, but here's the problem. The problem is differences foster division. This is something we have to be aware of. It, it doesn't have to be this way, but oftentimes it is. Division, or differences foster division. And that's probably why I think so many churches look just like each other. Like, like you go within the walls of the church, everyone speaks the same language. They look the same way. They dress the same way. They talk the same way. They act the same. They vote the same. Same politics, same color, same language, same economics. It's just easier to be with people that are just like you. Because when we welcome people who are different and different people start showing up, differences, they foster division. And if we don't like that, then what we do is we kind of huddle up and we hide and we, we circle the wagons. 
that is not what God desires. That's the easy way, is just to block out people who are different. But let me ask you something. When was the easy way ever the best way? When was the easy way ever God's way? When was the easy way ever the way that Jesus taught it? And, and let's just take the spiritual stuff out of it altogether. Let's just talk about life, everyday life. Uh, when was staying healthy easy? When was eating nutritious food easy? When was exercising every day? When was staying with your spouse through a difficult season or sticking with a church during t- troubled times? When was that ever easy? When, when was managing your finances in a God-honoring way? I mean, tithing, that's, that's never easy. It's not. But when was the easy way ever the best way? God's vision of inviting everyone into his church is not the easy way because, obviously, everyone's different. Secondly, differences foster division. But here's what's awesome. Jesus gave us a solution. Jesus before our differences. Our faith filter. If we begin to put Jesus first, we can overcome these differences. John chapter 17, as I said, is this entire chapter, it's a record of Jesus' prayer in the garden before he goes to the cross, the night that he was arrested, and this prayer gives us a window into what Jesus really, really cared about. In John chapter 17, he prays for several things. First of all, he prays for the glory of God. Secondly, he prays for the disciples that were there. And then thirdly, he prays for us, you and for me. And I want you to see Jesus and how he prays for you. Take a look at this in John chapter 17. He says, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. We talked about this earlier, that's you and me. So we need to really key in on this. He says, I pray that they would all be one, just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I've given them the glory you gave me so they may be one as we are one. How many times does he say one in this one passage, this one prayer? Jesus prayed for you and he prayed for me. And what did he pray for? He prayed that we would be one. He prayed for our unity. And listen, this is where I'm just, I'm gonna kind of throw something out. It might shock you a little bit, but I want you to understand this to the very core of who you are. This is Jesus' prayer request for you. And if I can be bold enough to say this, this is a prayer request that God chooses not to answer. Why? Because he's given you free will. Do you realize this is Jesus' prayer request, but only you can answer this prayer request? Because he's given you free will. It's up to us whether we become one, whether we foster a relationship with God. It's up to us whether we foster a relationship with one another. This he puts in our hands. So if it's in our hands... How do we become one? First, we seek unity by putting our faith filter ahead of our political filter. This is what we have to do. This is like number one right now. We have an election coming up on Tuesday, and this has caused so much division, so much hatred, not just within the community and our society, but within the church. We got to do a better job of this by putting Jesus first. We can actually, we can reach complete unity. We can through Jesus Christ. But why is this unity so important? He goes on to say this in in his prayer in verse 23. I am in them and they are in me and you are in me. May they experience such perfect what? Unity. Why? That the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. You realize why unity is so important? Unity is, is so critical 
Because this is how the world gets to see the love of Christ. We're a reflection of who Christ is to the world around us so that the world may know the love of God. We need to seek this unity. And if the message of Christianity is that God loves the world and he loves all the people within it, and you and I as believers, we don't love the world and the people within it, then there's no validity in our message. And if we can figure out how to be unified, it reflects the love of Christ to everyone else. But see, the problem is we're not doing a very good job of that. If we can't figure out how, how to be unified, how to, how to be one, how to love one another, just among fellow believers, how in the world are we ever going to figure out how to love people outside the church, our enemies and our adversaries? How, how are we ever going to figure out how to love this world that God has sent us into to be disciples? We have to learn how to become one. We have to embrace this mission that Jesus has sent us. By putting Jesus before our differences, we can achieve unity. It's not easy. I promise you that. But if we can learn to put Jesus, um, if we can learn to use our faith filter more than our political filter, we, we can put Jesus before all of our differences, our, our ethnic differences, our economic differences, our generational differences, our political differences. Church, listen to me. Before you and I were ever left or right, we were children of the Almighty. Before we were ever red or blue, you and I were brothers and sisters in Christ. Before we were ever Republican or Democrat, we were the disciples of Jesus Christ. And if we don't understand that, I'm afraid that we're not really understanding Jesus. He prays for unity. That's his desire for us. And I would encourage you to strive for that this week. Use your faith filter more than your political filter. And strive to be a reflection of Jesus' love to the world around us. Can I pray for that? Heavenly Father, we come to you right now, and we just ask that you would just help us to be one. God, as you are one with the Father, we, uh, we need your help. Help us to be one. Help us to put you before our differences. And God, I, I pray that if we're going to love those around us, that you would give us the power of your Holy Spirit to do that with. Help us to love instead of hate. God, we, um, we ask that you would forgive us when we see red and blue instead of you. Help us to see all things, especially the people around us, the way that you do. As your children, who you desire a relationship with, who you love, who you died for. God, help us to be brothers and sisters the way that you've called us to be, and not enemies and adversaries. And God, we just pray that not only would this bring unity among your church, but it would shine in a dark time to a world who desperately needs it. God, we pray all this brings glory and honor to your name. And all God's people said.